Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got our coffee. Yes. We got our comfy clothes. Starbucks order this morning. We're good to go here. <laughs> How'd you sleep last night after researching murders all night? Um, you know, usually I do pretty well, but last night I think I think four cases was a little too much to research for from the get <laughs> Did you sleep good? <laughs> no, no, I did not. No. And it was I was home alone last night, so it was nice and dark and extra. Made sure those doors were extra locked last night. Awesome, awesome. It's good for the mental health. Good yep. for the anxiety, right? Yep. <laughs> nice. Well, this is our first episode of the suspended sentence, where we will be diving deep into murders and all sorts of ridiculous mental health things that affect other people. I guess. Yeah, and. Really want to focus on those unsolved crimes because how'd you get away with it? Right, right. With the way that the technology is and scientific evidence is, how in the world is it possible that people can get away with murders anymore? Yeah. I mean, with surveillance cameras and DNA and all the rest of it, like it's unbelievable, isn't it? It is, yeah. Our first one today, though, I want to kind of throw it back pretty far. You do? Yeah. I want to go back to the 1918s. Oh, fantastic. Where it all begins. Where it all begins. Before anything like that was even a thing. Yep. And even though there's eyewitness, doesn't matter. Well, because eyewitness testimony is not, it's not reliable. <laughs> Woo! With the words. What are words? Not in yet. You're right. Need more <laughs> coffee this morning. It's not reliable, right? Correct. Yeah. And even though, I mean, I don't know. And this one's kind of got an interesting twist. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Nice. Well, I am Tracy. And I'm Samantha. And this is a suspended sentence. Thanks for joining us this morning. All right. Let's dive in. Okay. So we are going to be diving into the Axeman murders of New Orleans today. Ooh, New Orleans. I love me some New Orleans. Have you been there? I have. Yeah. I went a couple years ago and it is a good time. Is it? <laughs> it is a good time. Fantastic. So this is a series of murders that took place in um, from May of 1918 till October of 1919. Okay. So we are taking it a little bit, a little bit back, a little bit before our little time. Little throwback. Little throwback. I mean, you you probably remember the 1918s, right? Oh, easy, yeah. easy. <laughs> um, so this killer liked to attack at night um, while people were in their beds and would use the people they were attacking's axes and other weapons that he could find in their home while performing the attack. Whoa. So nothing nothing scarier than minding your business, laying in bed, and being brutally murdered. Yeah, at home where you're safe, what you think. Where you're, yeah, in the middle of the night. Oh, wow, I yes. wonder why you didn't sleep well. Yeah, I wonder, right? So it seems like most of these attacks were um, Italian-Americans who were also business owners. So that seemed to be his his cup of tea. Um, the first victims, I will jump right in here, is Joseph and Catherine um, Maggio. This took place on May 23rd of 1918 at 1401 Magnolia Street in New Orleans. They lived in an apartment above their grocery store that they owned. They were Italian-Americans, and the interesting thing about the serial killer is the bottom panel, so you know the panels of your doors, the bottom panel of the doors were always chiseled out. So think about this, though. How are you getting in? The doors always remained locked. Like, that's not a big panel. Right. A, you're either a really skinny man that is slithering your way through the bottom panel of the door, or you've got freakishly long arms and are 
reaching up and unlocking it and relocking it to make it look like. Right. That's weird. Yeah. How'd you get in? Yeah. So, <clears throat> bottom panel of the door was chiseled out, and op- and the door was open when investigators arrived, but the door was still deadbolted, but it was open. What? Mm-hmm. It was deadbolted, but it was open. But it was open. When investigators arrived, there was no one in the surrounding area that heard anything from that night. The murderer had slit both of the victim's throats with a straight razor, um, like but a barbershop knife, and then brutally beat them with an axe. Oh my gosh. Um, they did live under the same roof in the grocery store, but across the hall from Joseph's brother and sister-in-law, who heard nothing. Oh, weird. Yeah. Catherine um, was beaten so badly that she was almost de- decapitated by the time the police got there. Did did he slit their throats before or after? That's what police think, and that's why they think that the brother didn't hear anything. Because if you're sleeping, what's a good way to make sure they don't make any noise? Right. Can't scream if your throat's slit. So they believe that while they were sleeping, he just took them out and then beat them post-mortem. Oh my gosh. Yes. So there was bloody clothing that was reported to be the murderers in the home. So police believed that he, I mean, I've never committed an axe murder, but I'm assuming that you get covered in blood during an axe murder. We are dealing with people's heads and we all know how heads bleed. Yeah. Head wounds. Yeah. Head wounds bleed like crazy. So they do believe that he took off his bloody clothing because they wore saturated clothes changed before leaving the home. So, outside of this grocery store slash home, um, it was reported that in chalk outside of the house, it was written, Mrs. Maggio is going to sit up with Mrs. Tony tonight. What? And the weird thing is, we never hear about Miss Tony again. No one knows who Miss Tony is. Like, why was that written on their sidewalk in front of the home? Oh, that leaves a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. The axe and the razor were still found at the ho- house. The razor was found to belong to Joseph's brother, who was a local barber. He stated that that razor was removed because he had a nick in it, so he had taken it to a repair shop to have the nick removed from the razor two days before the attacks. His brother found the victims two after two hours after and went um, went in to check after he heard groaning noises. He said that he had arrived drunk um, and did not hear the attack itself. He was out celebrating because he had just joined the Navy. So he goes out partying comes home he lived with them um across the hall so it was like an apartment above the grocery store okay i'm just trying to get a visual here in my head i mean having storefronts or whatever back then and having like an apartment above it was not uncommon like that was a thing right correct yeah i mean we didn't have where now we have to have this big elaborate office space and a separate multi-million dollar house you know things were different right so i'm trying to just get a visual here so they have a store downstairs. They live above it, mm-hmm. like a hotel-like scenario is what I'm thinking in my head. Yeah, so like, I mean, if you look at like our local town, like our small little town, all the businesses downtown, how they have the little apartments up above the businesses, yeah. I, that's how I picture it. Yeah, that's so how I'm picturing it too. I'm thinking maybe the grocery store split down the middle, apartments on each side, because you said across the hall. Yeah. So the brother goes out partying. Mm-hmm comes home and finds his brother and sister-in-law. Whew. 
Oof. Yeah. So he was a suspect. The brother was listed as a suspect for Absolutely. a while. Because. A, it's his razor. He just happens to be gone. Doesn't hear anything and finds the bodies. Well, he wouldn't hear anything if he wasn't there, right? Right. So he was never convicted of this, though. He was. They found no evidence supporting that he actually did. Right. Commit the murders. <clears throat> and I'm assuming that because he was out and there were witnesses, that there were people who were like, yeah, he was out here partying. Uh, there isn't. I mean, it's 1918, so it was a little bit hard to get too yeah. much information about, like, the interviewing process. But it just said that they did not have enough evidence. So I'm, I bet you're right. I'm sure that there was somebody to collaborate that he was. He was out and he out. was not there. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, we jump to our next victim, another grocery store owner named um, Louis Bessemore and his mistress, Anne Lowe. They were attacked June 28th of 1918. His mistress. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So we've got a trend going. We've got two grocery store owners so far. Yeah. And two women. There's women that they're with at the time. Um, when they were discovered, Louis was very injured, but Anne was um, in an even worse situation. Both had been hit in the head with the axe. <clears throat> These guys had been discovered because the baker came to the grocery store to make his morning deliveries. Baker knocks on the door. No one answers. That's weird. He delivers here all the time. Same situation. He lives above his grocery store. Mm-hmm. Like you said, very common. Right. And I think this is kind of a trend in like bigger places too where a lot of people just live above their store. It's sure. easier. They can work late lights, go up, go to bed. Right. Come down in the morning. It's cost efficient. It's, yeah. All of It's that. convenient. Absolutely. So Baker makes these deliveries every morning of his bread and his baked goods. Doesn't open the door. He finds this really strange. He's never, this has never happened before. He knows that um, Louis lives above the grocery store. Goes up the back, knocks on the door, sees that there's another panel missing from the bottom of the door. Oh. Goes in and discovers them. Um, Anne had lived for seven weeks after this attack. Oh, she didn't die. Mm-hmm. So she was able to be interviewed until, um, during those seven weeks before she did, eventually did pass. Um, which I don't know if that's better or worse. I don't know that I want to be, like, axed in the head and then no. live Oh, my God, the trauma. Weeks. Um, she described the attacker as a large white man, um... But then she later changed her story and said that it was actually Louis that had done it. The police found that there was no way this could be because he was also brutally beaten in the head with the axe. Like, you don't... Doesn't make sense. I, I'm no. motioning with my arm and axe to my head. I don't know that I could... Axe handles are pretty long. Well... And think about... You're not going to be able to do no. that a few times to yourself. No. So... Clearly, Louis was never charged. I mean, unless you have got some serious masochistic (laughs) (laughs) stuff going on, there's no way that you could repetitively hit yourself in the head with an axe. No. So, clearly her face was very badly disfigured. And she was most upset about that. Like, her face was not in good shape. Well, she was most upset about that. I don't know. I... Um, that's what the reports say. And so she did go under elective surgery to try and fix her face. Immediately following. During that seven-week period, which is when she died, was during that surgery. 
she didn't she didn't die of the attack and the wound she died from surgery i feel like it's probably a mix because i'm sure that that was probably too early to go in and do elective make myself pretty surgery back in the 1800s there was like are we talking plastic surgery i think we're talking probably like reconstructive surgery putting the gouge back together probably but it was fine enough that she had left it for almost seven weeks before going under surgery so i don't think that they were too worried about closing that but she was really upset about the status of what her face looked like i'm just thinking seven weeks i'm just thinking like if you break your arm or you get a wound or something I do a lot of construction stuff and I know that like if I cut myself or something, it takes a long time to heal. Seven weeks to me in my head does not seem like sufficient time to heal. No. At all. No. And I think that she was probably really worried about more extensive scarring than what was needed. So she was like, close my face up, which I mean, I get it as I get it as a woman, like our face is the first thing that you see. So, I mean, I get it, but also, like... I wonder what the psychology is behind that. You know, to be that fresh out of a extremely traumatic situation. But we also have to think this is his mistress. This is his mistress. It's not his wife. This is not his wife. Oh, keep going. So, to me, that's... Maybe she doesn't want to lose him because he doesn't find her... But he's dead. Pretty? Not yet. So he he died two weeks after she did. They both end up dying. They both succumb to their... They both live, though. They They both both get attacked by an axe, and they both live. So that's the thing about this case, too. So there's going to be a total of 12 attacks in total. So 12 people are attacked by this man. Six end up dying. So six people survive. I mean, that's... You got 50-50 odds of surviving the X-Man. That's not horrible odds for most serial killers. Oh, my gosh. What a it's deranged way of thinking. It's not, it's not bad well, odds. Well, I could get attacked with an axe and maybe I'll... Oh. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So either he's not hitting very hard or I don't know. I don't know. Catherine was almost decapitated, the first victim. That's pretty hard. I feel like you got to be axing somebody pretty hard to almost decapitate them. I don't know. I wish y'all could see her face. so our next victim is one person so we're kind of straying from our couples thing here and this was mrs ed snyder and it did kind of upset me a little bit because there is no record of her first name she's only known as ed snyder mrs ed snyder Um, so we have no idea really who she is which again is not uncommon for that time you know clear back when when women didn't really have identities they were who their man was the thing is it's so weird doing research on not i mean really even you can go back to like the 70s before the 70s i mean i've got the first people we have their address Um, today if we have murders you know everything Except the address. They don't post the address in the newspaper like they did back then. It's kind of crazy. So she was attacked on August 5th of 1918. This one's really sad. Um, She was pregnant. Oh, no. Um, She woke up in the middle of the night to someone standing over her um, and scream right as the axe hit her. 
The scream did wake up her neighbors, who found her and rushed her to Charity Hospital, which is where most of these victims ended up going. Um, she did survive, so that's good. But because of the trauma, she did end up delivering her baby a week later. Thankfully, the baby did survive as well. Oh, thank God. But think about how, like, I I don't know how your body goes into, like, trauma like that. And, I mean, it makes sense that she went into labor early. Mm-hmm. Because... Was she a business owner too? Did she have... No, just random. Just random. So we're getting a little bit off. off, And there's a couple that are just weird in there. But they know are him. Because he always left the axe there. He always left his chisel there. That bottom panel is always chiseled out of his places. Um, So after her attack, we jump to just five days later. um, To Joseph Romano. He was 80 years old. Jeez. Um, he's an Italian barber, and his nieces lived with him, and they had heard him struggling and came in to check, in, check on him as the attacker was leaving and gave the best description that we have so far of the man. He was tall, dark, heavy set, and wearing a full suit. What? Unfortunately, Joseph did die two days after his attack. Um, but why... Why weren't the we know that he's watching, he's scoping these people out. He knows probably that his nieces live with him. Why was it only Joseph that was attacked? See, we're getting a little off of the he likes to kill the couples or just the main person. Hmm. <clears throat> so by now it's August 1918. You know, we've had two attacks in August already. So Families are taking it upon themselves of working in shifts. Armed men sit at the door. Oh, you bet. Watching your family sleep. There was always someone awake. Well, now it's not just random. Now you have a real, full-blown, categorized serial killer on the loose. 100%. And they have just the description of him being tall, dark, heavy set, and likes to wear suits. Right. I don't feel He's like that's tall. that weird. He's tall, dark, Heavy set, but able to get in a small opening at the bottom of a door. Exactly. Make it make sense. I can't. So as these people are, you know, guarding their families, it's now late August, so we're a few weeks later. Um, the back door of Paul Labino's grocery store was chiseled out, but no one was home at this time. Oh, thank God. So imagine coming home, you seeing your back door, you know that's his calling card, the back door of your door house is chiseled the axe is sitting there and you're like oh dodged a bullet there or an axe (laughs) or an axe (laughs) not to make a joke of it but oh my gosh yeah so then things get kind of quiet for a little while um maybe it was the more people are on the lookout he knows this calm it down for a little bit see what happens so then we jump to march 10th 1919 so we went from august to March. August to March. Yep. Rose and Charles and their two-year-old daughter, Mary Camardo, were No. Attacked. No, 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 no. So this takes a place across the Mississippi from New Orleans. So it's like pretty much New Orleans, but it's right over the Mississippi. Um, ooh, I lost my place. Rose wakes up to her husband, who is an Italian grocery store owner, fighting the intruder. Her husband was badly beaten with the ex. Rose at the time was holding her two-year-old daughter who had been laying in bed with her who was also beaten with the ex. Oh my god. Um, 
he did hit the he was just swung rapidly at Rose who was holding the daughter Mary Mary was hit in the head with the axe Rose's skull was crushed Charles and Rose both survived but the two-year-old daughter did not oh my god Rose claimed that it was one of her neighbors that had attacked them and she was like a hundred percent it was our neighbors from across the street that's who it was it was him and his son they were charged and were sentenced to be hung charles denied and was like she's doesn't know what she's talking about she's talking from grief i fought this man it was not my next door neighbors mm-hmm. to the point where him and rose fought about it so bad that they ended up divorcing over the topic really mm-hmm. which your mind does that's why eyewitness testimony is so unreliable yeah. is because especially in traumatic situations we see things the way that our emotion allows us to see them, right? Not actual factually, not actually factually. <laughs> <laughs> so thankfully though, because this was such a big deal and Charles was like, she was asleep. She had just woken up. She was scared. She was holding our baby. I was fighting this man mm-hmm. for a long time. The neighbors were released. The neighbors were a 78 year old man and an 18 year old boy. Mm. And they, like I said, they were, they had a date that they were supposed to be hung. Like Charles was like, he fought for them and was like, no, that was not them. Wow. So right after this attack, so that was March 10th. Um, your birthday. Happy birthday to me. Um, nice axe murder for your birthday. Surprise. Um, the killer wrote to the local newspaper that was received on March 14th. The killer wrote to the newspaper. Now, this is wild. I need to, like, adjust for this one. And I'm interested to hear what you think of this because this is wild. The letter read, Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible. Even as the ether which surrounds your earth, I am not a human being, but I am a spirit and a fell demon from the hottest hell. I am what you New Orleans and your foolish police call the axe man, which I guess I see fit. I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they will be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, my besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I shall send below to keep me company in the afterlife. If you wish, you may tell, tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am, not, I am a reasonable spirit and I take no offense Sorry, I take no offense at the way they have constructed their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not not only assume me, but his satanic majesty. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover who I am, for it better for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of my of me, the axe man. I don't think there is any need for such a warning. For I sure feel the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm, don't they? So let's just uh, let's just look into that one for a minute, because it continues. I likely starts it with my esteemed mortal. So, like, we're just gonna break this down because it's a pretty long letter. So let's just let's just assess that for a minute. So he's spiritual. In the way that he just wrote, he's probably had, probably came from a very, very strong religious background. Do you agree? Do you see that? Yeah. And 
But at the same, <laughs> I'm picking my victims that are going to keep me company in hell. Yes. So is he saying that these are people that are not good people that... Ugh. Is that what he's insinuating here? Like, for them to go to hell, because if you're religious, right, so heaven, hell. Right. If you're murdering good people, you wouldn't say that they're going to be chilling with you in hell. And then he just, he, he compliments the police, but he also says that the police are very stupid. Right. But he's also saying that it's maybe not that they're stupid. They just are not, they're just trying not to get killed. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. He's taunting them. Yes. This gets wilder. So he continues on. Undoubtedly, you New Orleans will think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am. But I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens and your worst. For I am close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time, on next Thursday, uh, next Tuesday night, I will be passing over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music. And I swear to you people, by all the devils in the nether regions, that every person shall be spared whose home has a jazz band in full swing by the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has jazz going, well, then, so much better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is... Some of your people who do not have jazz out on that specific Tuesday night, if there are any, will be getting my axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Titarius, and it is about time for me to leave this earthly home, I will cease my disclosure, hoping that thou wilt publish this, and it may go well to thee. I have been and am and will be the worst spirit that has ever existed, either in fact of realm or fancy. Signed, the X-Man. He said the? Yep. See, that's like biblical. That's creepy. I have goosebumps. It is so bizarre, is it not, to hear the words written by a narcissistic controlling murderer? A hundred percent. And like the language, Tartarius. Yeah. And he's... I don't even know. I really like jazz music. Oh my gosh. So get let's get to swinging, shall we? So clearly the people of New Orleans followed this request because I'm not going to risk it. I'll have a full I'd be playing jazz music. Apparently the city was swinging that night. Every house was blaring jazz scared. music. They were scared. They were like, I'm not going to risk it. I mean, I want it. If I got if I read a letter like that and was like Hey, I'll give you guys an out. Oh, I'm too music. much of a fighter. I would be like. You think? I, yeah. I would Ugh. be like guns loaded. Not I. I would be down at the jazz club all night. Woo. So the murders stopped until about August 10th of 1919. So those that, I mean, there was no murder that night. He kept his word. The town was popping with jazz music. Like, literally, everybody played jazz music. That's that... the record. Everybody wow. was so scared. And if they, you didn't have the capability to play jazz music in your home, 
all of the clubs stayed open late. All of the bars, all of that stayed open. So the people, people could, could be, there. be there with jazz music playing. Oh my gosh. Man, that had to that had to feed his ego like oh, nothing else. 100%. And he's Which is clear. great, right? Because that's when, when people's egos are fed, that's when they make mistakes. Yeah, and he's already very egotistical, so let's just go ahead and yeah, narcissistic. keep that going a little bit. Psycho. Woo. So like I said, those murders stopped until August 10th of 1919, when a man named Steve Boca stumbled out of his home with some nice axe wounds to the head. So he walked out of that home. He made it about a half block down the road to one of his friend's house um, who helped to get him to the um, to the hospital. Police searched the home and, just like usual, found an axe and a nice chisel, just like all of the cases before. Steve lived, but didn't remember a damn thing about his attack. Not anything. Doesn't remember anybody coming in. Doesn't remember waking up. Doesn't anything from the time he got to the hospital. He doesn't remember anything before that. Which is frustrating because you're like, who is it? But head yeah. trauma. Um, September 2nd, 1919, a local pharmacist fired several shots at an intruder who then just left. He opened the door after shooting through his back door to find a chisel and an axe sitting at the door. See? But no blood, so I don't think he, he clearly didn't hit him or anything. But... Mm. The next night, September 3rd, at 2128 2nd Street, Sarah Lohman was found discovered um, by her concerned neighbors. She was found with a severe head trauma and was missing her teeth. Mm. The intruder appeared to have entered through the unlocked window, which is different. So people wonder, like, was this him or is this somebody pretending to be him? Because well, it's so different. But if there's an easier way to access the house, you know. Yeah. So there, people are like, was it? Was it? I don't know. Um, she was attacked with a blunt object, so she didn't have any axe wounds to her head. But the, um, what is the word I'm thinking about? Like autopsy technician. Mm -hmm. um, determined that he did believe it was the back of the axe. So not the actual mm -hmm. axe part, but the blunt side of the axe. Um, she recovered from her injuries, but again, did not remember anything. Did she die? Nope, she survived. Oh, you said the autopsy report. Oh, that's not what. What is the word I'm thinking of? Like her doctors. I, you know get what I'm trying to say. Her medical records? Her medical records. Thank okay. You. Um, October 7th of 1919, Mac, Mike Pepiton, another grocery store owner, whose wife and six children were asleep in the room next to him. Wife and six children. Six children. <clears throat> wife heard a noise went to the door as a large man was attacking her husband with an axe he suffered 18 axe wounds to the head a little overkill again axe and chisel left behind as the murderer walked right past her and walked out the door what there was a hundred dollars in cash left sitting in on the counter not taken in very plain sight so, takes out motive of robbery because I don't know what that would equal today, but $100 in 1919 was, was a, lot a lot of money. money. Yeah. So, 
She stated that her and her six children did not hear anything until almost the end of the attack until she heard groaning noises. Did he die? He did die. This was the last attack of the X-Man. Um, but there are a couple of theories. So what, what do you think the theories are, if you had to guess from this? Well, I think that they're really sporadic. Like, there isn't... There isn't... I mean... You don't need motive to be a murderer and a sadistic person, right? Like some people just do things because they're just evil, yeah. right? Which is unfortunate, but, and I don't want to talk about these people like these people weren't somebody's child and somebody's 100%. sister and somebody's brother and somebody's mother because these people matter. People matter, right? Mm -hmm. But but there isn't... They're, they were all business owners, correct? Yes. For the most part, I mean, he spared those six kids, but he killed the two-year-old. Mm -hmm. Was that accidental? Was it... I mean, there's so many questions, right? Right. And he was never found? He was never found. So no one was ever arrested for this crime. To this day, this is still an unsolved, unsolved murder spree. Mm -hmm. Now... It is also interesting from a couple of the eyewitnesses that say they saw him leaving in a suit. Like, all business. This man's all business, and he's killing business owners. I find that to be an interesting little... That is interesting. Tidbit. However, it couldn't be, like, business competition on account of because the business owners were all in different industries, right? A barber, a, a grocery store owner, a pharmacist. Uh, so it couldn't have been professional competition mm -hmm. the authenticity of people is interesting to me that they're all italian americans they're all italian americans and from what was reported he was what white yeah which in the south back then racism was a big thing mm -hmm. it could have been race driven yeah i mean not that it's not a big thing now as well but it was it was very prominent it was you know yeah well, so... And also, people tend, people, law enforcement, from my research, they would tend to kind of look the other way and not take it as seriously as if it was a crime, you know, against, you know, a prominent white man or something like that. And I'm not trying to get into the whole race thing because I don't want to go there, but ever, yeah. I don't ever want to go there. Yeah. However, that was the day and the time, right? That was the thing. Well, and... I mean, there was people, like I said, in late August the year before, there was all those people that are standing guard and all that. And they did see men in suits, jumping over fences and da-da-da-da-da. Sure. Except when they would chase them, he just disappeared. He would just vanish. So that comes to theories of why this was person was never caught. The one that makes the most sense to me, and I want to start off with this one before we get into kind of the fun theory, is... The fun theory? <laughs> I don't know if these are appropriate words to use. It's a fun theory. Uh, is there was a horrible outbreak of the flu in 1919. Okay. 4,000 people in just the city of New Orleans died. From the flu? From the flu. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe. I should not have said that. I don't know. <laughs> but... Did he never get caught and did the murders just stop because he got the flu and died? Hmm. They say that a lot of the people that died from the flu that year or two were healthy, healthy people. 
mm-hmm. that just got the flu and died. I mean, 4,000 people in New Orleans, that's a lot of people. Sure. So, did he... Did the flu take him out? Did the flu take out the X-Man? Huh. It's weird that they just stopped right at the same time that there's a huge flu outbreak. Yeah. I think that's probably the most realistic because the other theory is it was a ghost. It was a ghost? And that's very, like, a lot of people say that. You read, um, I was looking at old news ar- news car- uh, newspaper archives of this. Mm-hmm. So many people are like... That's why he could get in through the tiny space. He just... He was a shapeshifter. Shapeshifted in. Oh, come on. Claiming, claiming souls for the devil. Okay, so here's my theory. Tell me how hey, this resonates. Okay? This is what I think. There were periods of time when murders stopped. Progressive murders do not stop murdering. You don't just... Especially to the degree in which he did it. You don't, everything is progressive, right? Everything, addiction, um, habits, the more you get, the more you want. Like you have to have more. Things have to escalate in order to, f- to fulfill the desire to accomplish whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, right? Whatever self-gratification needs that you need or that you want, right? He didn't stop. Come on. What was it? O- was it October to March? Or yeah. September or something. So October, November, December, January, February, March. For six months, he's killing somebody like every week or every two weeks. And then for six months stopped. Yeah, bullshit. This is what I think. I think he traveled. I think that when the heat got too much and people were so much on alarm that he would go and go somewhere else. And here's why I think that there aren't more cases linked to him. If you think of the time, 1919, 1930, 19, even 50, I don't think that, um, what is the system called that interlocks all the law enforcement? Like, Oh, the, I mean that, I know what you're talking about. That I don't didn't think start that, until the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. In the late eighties. Right. And so there wasn't a way to track it and to say, oh, okay. So these 15 murders or whatever happened in New Orleans, but NCIS or whatever that is, the database where all the murders go into, right? So that things can be linked. And it wasn't uncommon. It is not uncommon if you research serial killers at a whole that they do travel mm-hmm. and they do go other locations. <clears throat> Excuse me. When, when the heat gets too much on them in New Orleans, then I'm going to go and I'm going to cross the Mississippi. And he did that, right. yes, mm-hmm. and went somewhere else. And so he probably just went somewhere else. You know, once once you've reached that the the plateau or the climax of the fear and control that you can that you can push onto someone or a community or a group of people, the high is gone. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so people like this, well people in general, I suppose to different degrees, then you have to go somewhere else and you have to do it again. Or you lose the high. Everybody in New Orleans, I don't want to say caved to him, but did exactly what he wanted. The cops couldn't find him. The people were scared of him. They all played jazz music to keep him out of their houses. He had complete control over that community. Yeah. And so, I mean, once you have complete control over an entire community, what do you do to get the thrill? Samantha, you got to go somewhere else, right? Start over again. It's not a challenge anymore. Yeah. And I don't know, man, 
Yeah, I don't know why you didn't sleep well last night. Right? I know. <laughs> Check-in windows. Well, and it's crazy that none of these, like, he had to, you've chiseled something before. Either a rock or wood. Yeah. It's not quiet. No. Like, the fact that he was able to get into all these homes while they continued to sleep. Yeah. Like, I mean, the first people were, Joseph and Catherine were dead before he, before they even knew it. Yeah. And so if you just look at that one compared to the last one, okay, look at how his ego grows. The first one, I'm assuming he slit their throats before. Yeah. Before he took the ax to them, which, which would signify, or a theory could be, he killed them and then was practicing. Yeah. And then you see how the escalation, and this is what over, what's the, what's the year time frame? A year, two years? Oh, yeah. 1918 to 1919. A year. A year. One year. So from that point where he has to slit their throats while they're asleep, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And then practice on them to the last one where he where he hits this guy in the head eighteen times with an axe and then egotistically just walks past his walks wife. past his wife and six children and just walks out the door like, hey, just dropped off a check, yeah. you know, like the way that his ego blew in in that amount of time. There's no way that he just stopped. Yeah, unless the flu got him. Unless the flu got him or unless, you know, whatever. But, man, if I had to profile this guy, I don't know. I would definitely say that he had, that he came from a very, very strict um, religious background. Very strict. Um, Probably over the top. Um, Massive control issues. It was not, he didn't just pick the male or female. Like he just didn't care. He had complete disregard for human life whatsoever. hundred percent. And the games, the chalk outside the first person. The, the letter. letter. I know. I read that letter and I was like. Which is so attention seeking and like that ego, the ego, right? Like, look at me, look at me, pay attention to me. That is insane. Yeah. So. I know you've never seen this show, but American Horror Story. No. The season, um, I think it's the Coven season, the X-Man gets a little bit of a storyline through there. Except they they take a lot of the true things, like the murders and stuff, but they they give us an answer of who it was. And But they do say that he was killed, that some, one of the victim's husbands comes back and kills him. Obviously, that's not true. Oh, you don't know that that's not true? That could have happened. Could have, I guess. I mean, that would be and, and the happy ending, really. Yeah. So any uh, American Horror Story fans out there, you'll remember this one from the Coven season. Oh, that's creepy. I mean, that would be... And that's where I originally heard about this guy. And so I, I watched that season and I was like, dude, that's kind of crazy. As so I Googled and I was like, you're joking me? This is a real thing that really yeah. happened? That's unfathomable to me. You know, the gruesomeness and the and the horror that people can inflict on other people's lives with no no consequence and just that ego yeah that ego 
Well, thank you, Samantha. That was that was a great time. I'm gonna. <laughs> it's a good one, right? Not a bad way to start out our. Not a not a bad way to start my day. Thank you for putting those You're thoughts so into my head. Anyway, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you.